What's up, CityCast Chicago? I know you don't usually hear from us on Saturday, and you're probably preparing for your 4th of July celebration, but we want to try something new real quick. Yesterday, you heard John Hansen on the podcast talking with me about Chicago news from the week. But John and I also talked about his weekly podcast, Block Club Chicago's It's All Good. John sits down with individuals every week from across Chicago who are doing amazing things in the neighborhood. Ten episodes in, and we're loving it at CityCast, and we want to share with you. I'm recording. Can you turn on the TV? Turn down the TV. I'm recording. You come close the door. Come close the door. Well, that's getting in the podcast. That voice you just heard arguing with her husband was Jamie Nesbitt Golden. And that's how we're starting the Block Club Chicago podcast today. Hey, Jamie, how are you doing? Great. Uh, I'm getting divorced next week, so it's awesome. <laughs> no, seriously, no. It's, it's great. We're doing good. Yeah, I, it's it's the, still that work for I mean, obviously, our yeah. Block Club reporters, even when uh, the world gets back to the office, you guys do so much of the work in the neighborhoods. That's the whole point. So you do a lot from home but that is we're still all navigating these waters aren't we yeah, i have like the worst office mates ever like it's just <laughs> it's horrible here i would not recommend we got some uh, a great story you wrote uh that we're going to talk about in just a little bit but the main uh crux of uh today's episode episode number 10 is about the folded map project and i had a great conversation with tanika the founder and a sociologist about a lot of things that they learned they wrote five great articles for block club chicago mm-hmm. and uh, but you know i they've been on my radar ever since i wanted to do this podcast and talk to you and tanika about it because you wrote a story about it last year, and I was just kind of blown away at the idea. It's so cool. So, yeah. So, basically, uh, Tanika came up with the idea of using a map and then sort of folding it, literally, to figure out, you know, what the similarities and differences were in certain neighborhoods. And and basically, you you fold the map and you find your map buddy. So, so someone who probably lives like the, on the same street, but say on the north side or on the west side. So, you're connecting with these folks who, you know, sometimes have never ventured out of their own neighborhoods. And you're learning about their lives and you're building friendships and you're sort of building community. And it's really, really cool. Yeah. And for those that don't quite get the grit, I know there's a lot of people that, you know, now that now that you can navigate the city on your phone, yeah. don't learn the grid. <laughs> so let's say I am generally about well, uh, Belmont and Western. So 3200 North, I would fold the map and I'd go to 32nd and Western on the right. south side. And that would be the equivalent. I'd pair up with someone and learn a little bit of something. I love how like simple it is and like how it, it's just kind of amazing like you again you could live here on your all of your life and not really realize you know just how different a matter of, you know uh, how different life is for people like in a matter of block all right so here uh, is the conversation i had with a sociologist maria creason and tanika lewis johnson and we started kind of where she got the idea or what inspired her to create it the seed of the idea of folded map was formed on my teenage commute to high school every day. Um, That was my first time uh, consistently daily going outside of my home neighborhood of Inglewood to a neighborhood that was 15 miles north. And it was on that commute that I had so many questions and observations about noticing the what I was come to know is disparity, you know, how my neighborhood looked very different than the neighborhood that my high school was in. When I got fed up about how Chicago was being spoken about, only through the lens of gun violence, that I just said, you know, I really need to contribute to this conversation by allowing us to 
look at ourselves different and how segregation affects us personally. And that's kind of what led me to begin working on Folded Map. I love the simplicity. You fold the map, you meet a new person, you connect with them, but that it's really complex. It reframes your whole way of thinking. So Maria, what attracted you to teaming up with Tanika on this project? As a sociologist, I study things that are big structural factors that impact everyday lives. Like that's the kind of sociology I do. It's always so hard to really understand at a day-to-day personal individual level, those big forces and how they impact our lives. People can see the structure through this very personal experience of comparing their homes and their trajectories, how they got where they live. It's just an entree point into conversations about systemic racism, segregation, discrimination, and race, which are co- topics that people don't like to talk about. We that we as a city need to have in order to disrupt the inequities that flow from segregation every single day. Okay, so you have people meeting each other, they learn, they have a new perspective. And so Tanika, what made you wanna dive deeper? What attracted me to even wanting to do this project is the response that I got sharing the video that kind of kicked it all off, which was um, a segment of a presentation that I did about Folded Map for a group of freshman students starting at Northwestern. And a question that I often ask in my Folded Map presentations is, by a show of hands, how many of you all have been told to not go to the South Side or that it's dangerous? And the entire room raised their hand. I don't hear that. People don't say that to me. So I was just like, well, wow, this this is it. Like, this is the conversation that helps perpetuate this huge divide in Chicago. So you ended up interviewing 30 people. You wrote five really great profiles for Block Club. How did you find people to chat with? A lot of people have stories. Let me just solicit to find out who wants to share. And we got so many responses that it just made sense to start talking to those people. You know, Folded Map is like a a good feeling type of project. Like, yes, you know, here's an example of people who didn't know each other, but have this passion of wanting to change this huge inequity. And they decided to meet each other. And I think in order to truly understand how to solve something, you have to be able to see it from all sides. It goes without saying that our city has had racist policies in the past. There are racists currently, but I think there's a lot of people who wouldn't consider themselves racist, who think out of fear, probably, that they tell people, don't go to the South Side. And clearly a lot of people who heard that growing up never thought to challenge it either. It's not just ancient history. It wasn't just the redlining policies of the 1950s. Today, There are other factors that perpetuate segregation also, and they're just the things we do going about our life. And one of those things we do going about life is we gather perceptions of communities. We gather them through the media, we gather them through our lived experiences, and those little things are things that we can interrupt in our own lives that I never did go somewhere and realize the houses are nice. They're just people living here, living their life, growing their gardens, having their children, right? The piece on Adrian Hawthorne was really interesting. She's mid-30s business owner, grew up in a big Italian family. Her grandma was in Beverly, told her never to get off the Dan Ryan at certain exits, and connected with you, Tanika, participates in Fold the Map, helps her question her assumptions, but it also helped her decide uh, to affect change 
by making changes to how she operates her business, spotlighting black artists in her Ravenswood store. So, Maria, what are your takeaways from chatting with Adrian? For me, her story was so compelling for her honesty and her continuing to ask herself how she can do better and her willingness to make mistakes. And I think we have to be willing to make mistakes. We haven't had these conversations. We have to have these conversations. We have to be generous with each other. You know, you have to have a little compassion and understanding and patience, I think, on on all sides. And Tanika, I think that was a theme in all of the pieces. Everyone wanted to do better and challenge this thing, not because, oh, it's it's just the right thing to do, but because they, they knew that they were missing out on potentially powerful life experiences, new people, relationships, friendships. It's literally because they value what they know they have been missing. Soren Spicknell was a student at IIT, was told the campus was safe, uh, that it was an island in a dangerous ocean on the south side, and a challenge that he made a small step into a coffee shop that he wouldn't normally go into, which sounds really simple, but it's... It's about more than just walking in, Maria. You can go and do that for an hour and leave and nothing will have changed about your assumptions about that place. Because you will be a tourist, you will look and you will see exactly what you expect to see. But with Soren's observation that I just sat in a coffee shop and listened to life happening around me. I was kind of eavesdropping. What were they talking about? The same things people talk about in coffee shops all over, right? And I think that to me was... Such an important part that's really just crucial. Two stories that you also wrote help kind of show that it's not just about people's conceptions about neighborhoods, but in fact about the people from the neighborhoods. Like even if someone is in my neighborhood, people attach unfairly baggage to them based on the neighborhood they came from. As I was growing up, me telling people where I live, I I told them, oh, I, I yeah, I'm from Inglewood. I live in Inglewood. And they would be surprised, like, oh, you are? After hearing that for so many years, I began to understand, to move beyond the offensiveness of it and try to understand why are they so surprised? And to really get at the fact that they're surprised because of what they have been taught to believe. That's the unfortunate truth. What was so powerful about both Tiana and Leslie's story is the idea that those neighborhood perceptions get put on people and then people make assumptions. If you're from the neighborhood that people are saying bad things about, then a whole series of new inequities and stereotypes is put down on you. I remember the the interview with Leslie was so emotional for both of us in different ways. And it was just like, I got so angry during the interview at the end. I said, I'm so angry about these levels. Like it's one thing to say the world is still segregated because of these processes and perceptions, but it's another, like this is shaping someone's lived life experience and perception of themselves. And that was overwhelming. The story that really got me was Joey Della Vecchia. He was a piano repairman from Pittsburgh, moves to Chicago, told never to go to the South Side, but he ends up in Englewood to do a job. And the woman there uh, where he repairs the piano is so grateful that he actually showed up. She had reached out to so many people that would not come to Englewood to fix her piano. She bakes him cookies. She gives him a hug. But then I had this like angry, seething reaction to what he says happened on his way home. He was taking the bus. He was at the bus stop in Englewood and 
He says CPD rolled up and said, do you need a ride, man? It isn't safe here. I just can't imagine that. That Maybe it shouldn't have surprised me, but it really did. All of these interviews were emotional. We bring into spaces what we already think, what we already want to focus on. And you carry that over into, you know, how you view things. If you want to disrupt that, you can't just go to some place. <laughs> you have to do things. You have to do things that include meeting people because meeting people and understanding their story, much like how Maria and I did with these interviews, it really helps you transform or challenge things you have been told. So I think a lot of people are with you to this point and they want to do something. And that's why you guys have come up with this kind of cool thing. It's like an action kit. Sounds like homework, but explain it a bit. Essentially what it is, it's an invitation for people to participate in the Folded Map Project themselves. A self-guided way to participate by visiting a neighborhood that is racially and economically different than your own and run errands. Go buy organic apple. Go take out $20 at an ATM. Go visit a local library or local park. All of those things will help you understand as close as possible what life is like for that resident. It also asks people to reflect on how it is that they landed in the neighborhood that they landed in. How did they end up moving where they ended up moving? Because that asking yourself in sort of critical ways, that question, both about what, what resources did you have at your disposal? Where did those resources come from? If you're a home owner, how did you get a loan? How were you able to get a down payment assembled? It really asks people to ask themselves questions about how they got to where they are. And this is not about, you know, I'm not about asking yourself these questions and then feeling bad about it. Like this is not about trying to get white people to feel bad or guilty, right? It's about recognizing and acknowledging the benefits or the disadvantages that you had going into the process and where those things came from. Okay, so people do the homework, they meet someone new, they experience something new. What's the overall hope? The optimist in me says that those connections and those understandings that are grown from those connections and understanding how what happens on one side of the city impacts the other side of the city, that those are the seeds of people holding leaders accountable for these things or people creating new nonprofits or getting you know, the government to do things differently in a variety of ways. I mean, it's a huge and complicated problem. And these are, look, really important, but they're small individual steps. So do you ever get discouraged that you just work so hard on what is essentially a bunch of baby steps. People tend to forget like how the civil rights movement was started. It was started because people met in small groups. They forged relationships with people of different races to create solidarity so that they can advocate for civil rights together. Large systemic change starts personally. They feel like it doesn't matter. It's not going to make change. No, it is. It's just moving the needle forward. Sociologists, one of the things that we like to do with the world is complicated. So we take <laughs> easy things and we make them more complicated. So one of the themes of 
um, my book, Cycle of Segregation with Kyle Crowder. How do we fix this, right? It was a lot of coordinated different actions that created the segregation. So the idea that there's one silver bullet to make this stop is ridiculous, right? There is no single thing that can break down segregation. So you can look at that and be overwhelmed or you can be empowered because if it's a lot of things that caused it and a lot of things that continue to perpetuate it, that means there's a lot of openings to intervene there's ways for individuals to intervene. There's ways for neighborhoods, community groups, local governments, state governments, federal governments. There's so many levers that we can pull and push to try to get us all moving that I like to look at that as empowering, that there is a place for everybody. Anybody that wants to get on board with solving this problem, there is a place for you. Tanika, for everyone listening, what's your big takeaway for them? Remain curious, you know, try to always continue to be reflective and to do the action kit. <laughs> and, and, if and read you, Maria's book and all the yes, plugs that we need. Read, read all the articles book. at blockupchicago.org. Like, yeah, yes, this is the have, plug corner. <laughs> you have all of the tools at your fingertips and you can engage at whatever level of comfortability because all of it is necessary to get us to where we feel we should be. Trust me, your life will be more enriched because of it. Just think about all of the wonderful people and experiences and and relationships that you've been denied. Use that to get frustrated. All of the missed opportunities to, you know, have fun, to learn something new, to see the world in a different way that you could possibly even connect to more than how you view it now. Think about a night out and you're like, oh, that was so fun. I did this, this, and this in my neighborhood. Well, guess what? There's 76 other ones and (laughs) uh, there's a lot more out there. We got a big city, people. We got a big city to explore. Congratulations on this. And uh, it's a great read. It's a great initiative. So thanks for your time today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate both of their time for such an in-depth conversation. And Jamie Nesbitt-Golden, what we were kind of talking about in that last segment, the idea of it doesn't only have to be, you know, I want to improve my community. I want to get to know other neighbors. I mean, that's great. But like, there's also, you can do it for somewhat selfish reasons too. You can meet, learn, and your life is better, I think, when you get to explore new things and meet new people. Like, again, for me, the work that we do is kind of like a kind of being part of a lifelong learning program. So like, I always love to learn new things. There's always something new to learn in Chicago, even if, again, you've lived here in your entire lives. You know, like, it's great to sort of build friendships and and sort of build community and become a better person. But it's also great to just learn something new, to be adventurous, take risks. And also, I've been to every bar in my neighborhood. I need to discover new ones. (laughs) So... I need to meet my buddy and find out what's happening at 32nd and Western. Right. No, I need to link up with mine and and hopefully they cook so I could like get free meal. <laughs> exactly. Hey, uh, I want speaking of cooking, Little Sandwich House. Nothing little about this project no. uh, to the guy who did a ton to get this thing up and going. So DiCarlo and Mandy Pittman, who have been Brownsville residents since like two, 2005, um, they... Um, DiCarlo has been in like the, the, in the hospitality industry for 20 years. He decided to strike on his own uh, without any 
help from the city, unfortunately, he managed to open his own little cafe, which is right around the corner from Chicago's Chicken and Waffles, which is a big, huge, you know, favorite here in Bronzeville. Had a soft opening about a couple weeks ago. And, you know, he was kind of worried about word of mouth, not, you know, sort of reaching, having get very much reach. But he was pleasantly surprised because folks sort of came out in droves to support. And he's been super encouraged. Like, I mean, and he, he seems like a guy who really loves to foster community. Again, like it's going back to the community and sort of having this really chill, you know, cool spot where people can congregate. The best piece of advice that he got from his mentors was, you know, you know, I know it sounds cliche, but treat employees like family. Like these folks, you know, they they come in and they give you your best. The least you can do is make sure that they're okay. One one of his baristas is, is is a TikTok star in his own right. He uh he's a you know sort of a, a coffee a coffee enthusiast. So he comes up with these amazing creations and he's he's gotten like a, a pretty decent following on, on the platform. So that's really cool. It's an it's a really chill spot. I love it. And the coffee is fantastic. And by the way, so it's at 411 East Oakwood Boulevard. Yes. Hey, we we're talking about fold the map. Everyone on the north side, fold your darn maps and let's. <laughs> go help out and visit little sandwich house come right through. come through like i DiCarlo and mandy are are like a wonderful charming couple like they are chill as hell like it, it's a good time speaking of chill as uh hell couples uh you can go back to yelling at your husband because we're just about <laughs> we have to tell go- him to turn back his tv on he's good now <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Jamie. Thank you so much. All right, that's the end of the episode. So like, subscribe, rate, review, whatever. Just keep on listening, people, and tell your friends because it really helps us out. We love you all. Bye-bye. Bye.